0: Episode 2, so the number is your statistics and sports podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Tracing.
1: And I am Corwin Heller.
0: Fresh off the IL, it's Corwin Heller. Back at it. Most of his voice has returned.
1: Yeah. Still playing injured, so I'll be coughing up half a lung throughout this episode, but good enough to still play.
0: Luckily, we play in the American League here, so Corwin can just DH while he gets his legs back. Damn right. Yeah. And then we'll just pinch run for him in the uh, in the seventh uh, anyway, welcome back to the show. Uh, it is a uh, Sunday here, August 15th, around 8 p.m. here on the east coast, so most of the uh weekend's slate of games are oba, and there is a new team atop the NL East standings, and that is the Atlanta Braves.
1: Yeah, look at them coming out after you know nobody gave them any opportunity or any chance this year to to win this division and fighting through the standings to take the lead in August. Nice upstart team.
0: Um, man, it, it's been a road to get here. Um, Cause you know, Corwin and I were talking before we started recording, if you had told any of us that the Braves are going to be on top of the division in August, I think we all would have said, well, yeah, who else <laughs> would it be? Uh, and instead, this is the first time they've been on top of the division all season because the Mets had such a run and the Braves sucked so much dong for like the first month, if not longer. Um, and the when the Braves started acquiring at the deadline, rather tepidly, I would say, they didn't make any big, splashy acquisitions, but you know, they did bring in Jock Peterson and they made a couple of the smaller moves. I can probably pull up their transaction page. Um <laughs> That you know, it was like, oh, okay. You know, I guess they're not that far back. They they could reasonably do it, and then aided by the power of the Mets sucking, and the Phillies being fine, but still the the true Philadelphia Phillies that we've all known and understood, which is mediocre. Um, mm-hmm. The Braves have managed to rally around themselves a little bit. Overcome the adversity that is Ronald Acuna Jr.'s season-ending injury, and put something together here and now. They are in sole place of first, sole possession of first place uh, with a one-game advantage over the Phillies and a two-game advantage over the Mets. Um, I mean, goddamn.
1: Do Mets fans just give up on the sport of baseball yet? They should. Yeah. I kind of agree.
0: Because, you know, when it with with the Jets, I'll speak to my own personal tragedies. Um, you know that they never have a shot. Like the, like the Jets never blow a division lead. Mm-hmm. You know, the Jets never are good enough for a sustained enough period of time to raise your hopes far enough to dash them. Your hopes will get raised. Don't don't get me wrong. There, there are certainly been times and places where the Jets have have made me feel a small tinge of hope, uh, but largely it, it, it's fleeting. Whereas the Mets. Oh, the Mets toy with you. The Mets toy with you with such cruelty in a way that no one else does. It it is powerful, truly powerful the
1: way the mets fuck you the jets will fuck you but they'll be straight up and in your face and they'll tell you hey we're gonna fuck you the mets like they whine you they dine you they take you back you think you're going to have a wonderful evening a, a a beautiful evening a a memorable evening for the history books and then just throw you down and raw dog you and just leave you just asking how you got here and why you thought that it would be any different.
0: So there's I mean, an
1: analogy for you. You missed me for a week. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Straight up with the raw dogging. Yeah, man. And um you know, I I usually don't like to devolve into the whole Bring up of the fan bases because I think largely it's, it's pointless and every team likes to hype up their uh, every, every fan likes to hype up their team in some way but I must say it is rich very rich that Mets fans acted like things would be different because they had a new owner
1: who is um, but ironically very rich
0: yeah he's now the richest owner in baseball and the thing that's funny about it is that I think they really thought that he would do everything it took to make the team better because he was so rich and a Mets fan. And if life has taught us anything, especially over just the past few years, it's that billionaires suck ass and will stay a billionaire through greed and indifference um, under the guise of concern and compassion. And Steve Cohen got himself a Twitter account and he tweets stuff as is his want. And you know what he does? Fuck all. Open oh, the train for Javi Baez. Neat. <laughs> C- cool, buddy. That's Javi nice. Javier Baez. What? Yeah, I know. What a wow. Javier Baez. That's nuts. They trade for Francisco Lindor. Neat. That's cool, man. They Did they spend any money to do either of those things? I do not think they did. <laughs> It's, 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 uh, now they did end up extending Lindor, so obviously you give them that, but yeah. at the same time, I mean, that's just the cost of doing business. Uh, I mean, they're, I'm, I'm not gonna pat anybody on the back for doling out one contract and making a bunch of other moves. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly,
1: it, if they didn't extend Lindor, City Field would just need to be burned down by the fans.
0: Yeah. Also, I, I'm not sure the the Lindor trade happens without the promise of an extension. I'm pretty sure it was an extend, a, a a trade and extend the whole way through. Um. So just let's actually, but let's let's bring this back to, to the Braves because if we look at the the transactions that they made, um, it is an interesting bunch. Let, let let's look at who they got and how they have performed since they got them. Just real quick. This is on the fly, and we've done no true preparation. And what else did you want from us? Hmm. Uh. So starting off. Jock Peterson was the, really, I guess this, the, the whistle that began the trade deadline, right? Sure. That's how it felt anyway. I don't
1: remember how it went, uh, but yeah, okay.
0: Jock Peterson, 27 games with the Braves, 73 games with the, with the Cubs this season. And when he was with the Cubs, he batted to a 93 OPS plus with the Braves in 27 games since then, 109 OPS plus. So he's contributing. He's out there. He's doing yes. it, you know?
1: Yes, we go, Zach.
0: Uh, in return, they gave up Bryce Ball. Do you think he's played any? Oh, he didn't even come up. I had to type his name fully into baseball reference for that name to come up. Okay, so he has not played in the majors yet this season. Oh, he's in he's in high A. Okay, okay, I got yeah, it.
1: Yeah, okay, so he's not going to play anytime soon.
0: No. All right, uh, so then after that, two days later, July 17th, they went over to Arizona traded away another first baseman by the name of Mason Byrne. Well, what level of ball is Mason Byrne in? So, How is this the first time I've looked at these fucking names, man? Hmm. Uh, actually, not even. No, see so yeah, a single A. It was hey. a rookie ball, but no, it was single A. Anyway, in return, they acquired uh, Stephen Voigt. And Stephen Voigt, when he was with the... Uh, Diamondbacks earlier this season had an OPS plus of 88, and in the 16 games he's played with Atlanta since then, his OPS plus has been 22. So that's not good.
1: In single A,
0: no, no, Stephen Voigt.
1: Oh, with, Stephen Voigt. Oh, okay, with okay, the okay. the Braves, has batted to an yeah, OPS yeah, plus yeah. of
0: 22.
1: I was going to say single A getting a 22 OPS that you're not playing baseball next year. Steven Voigt has been kind of on the cusp of not playing baseball next year for several years now. So a 22 with the Braves right now is not, not helping his career uh, continue.
0: Yeah. Oof. I mean, he is a body that plays catcher for them and that's something that the yeah. Braves need since, uh, I don't think William Contreras is on the 26-man roster anymore. And uh, Travis, oh, it's just Travis Turner. I guess Travis Turner is back now, since I don't see him on the IL anymore. So that's someone. But I mean, as sad as it sounds, Stephen Voigt and his 22 OPS plus with the team is still better than their other catcher on the roster, Kevin Smith, and his 18 OPS plus. Yes, sir. Wow. God, the Braves oh, catching God. depth is shallow. Holy I
1: shit. I really Travis Darno was like the end-all, be-all of catching prospects.
0: I don't remember him being a, an end-all, be-all of catching prospects, but I do remember him being with the Mets and the Mets were like, nah, go fuck yourself. And then they traded him to the Dodgers for like, I think literally a day. And then the Dodgers were like, fuck you, you stupid bitch, and traded him to the Rays. And then th- with the Rays, he became the player that the Mets wanted. And then the Rays were like, well, we ain't keeping this bitch around. For- I don't know why. He was a good catcher. And then went to the Braves. And then he balled out harder with the Braves. And I think that's where we are today. But I remember, like, I remember there was, like, a three-day stretch where Travis Arnold was with three teams. Like, I remember that so distinctly, being like, what just happened?
1: Who is Travis Darno, and why does he play for every team?
0: Yeah, basically. Wow, yeah, his 2019 is hilarious because he played with four teams. Sorry, three teams. Yeah, the Mets for 10 games, the Dodgers for one, <laughs> and, then, and then the Rays for 92. That's fucking hilarious.
1: What year was this?
0: 2019.
1: Hmm. I was really hoping the Dodgers would have won the World Series the year that this happened so that he somehow a Travis Darno. Yeah, like just, hey, Travis Darno, here's a ring.
0: That'd be so fucking funny, man. Um, All right. So anyway, would you
1: would you proudly display that in your home?
0: Absolutely, I would. It is a World Series ring, man. Oh, my Absolutely. God.
1: You, you were on the, the team that won the World Series.
0: Couldn't have done it without yeah.
1: us technically i was oh like did you how many like how'd you do like how'd you bat in the postseason well no i i I wasn't on the team for the postseason i got traded before then oh okay so like they got a bunch back in return for you it's like well no um i was there for about eight hours um in august and um yeah, they sent me a ring. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man,
0: Travis Darno's trade history is kind of yeah. wild. So first off, if,
1: before we move off that subject, I just want to say, if the Padres ever win a World Series on the back of Fernando Tatis, I want us to send one to James Shields. <laughs> Oh man! There's no I to want to us like to that. send him a ring, and no I just want Shields like the like inscription that? to just be like a middle finger of just like thanks.
0: Why would you flip him off? He didn't do anything to you guys.
1: Mm, I guess. Okay, save save the middle finger one and send it to whoever was the GM of the White Sox at the time. Flip him uh, off. Yeah, and be I don't like, know. yeah, I don't know. Go fuck Prime, yourself, or James <laughs> Shields. Thanks, dude. But White Sox, go fuck
0: you. Thank you for your sacrifice, Mr. Shields. So Travis Darno was in 2012 traded from the Blue Jays to the Mets. And the Blue Jays sent over Travis Darno, John Buck, who I don't know, Wilmer Becerra, who I don't know, and Noah Syndergaard. In exchange for R.A. Dickey, Josh Tolley, and Mike Nikias. That's kind of a wild trade in retrospect.
1: You were kind of cut out. My internet went out a little bit. So what were the names that uh, the Mets received?
0: The Mets received uh, Travis Darno, John Buck, Wilmer Becerra, and Noah Syndergaard. Hmm. In exchange for R.A. Dickey, Josh Tolley, or Thole, I'm not sure, and Mike Nikias.
1: That's what, with the Blue Jays?
0: Those guys went to the Blue Jays. So then the Mets kept Travis Darnot around until May 3rd of 2019 when they released him, which I didn't realize. They released him. I thought they traded him. Then he got signed by the Dodgers as a free agent two days later on the 5th. And then five days after that, they sold his contract to the Rays. Um. And then play that season with the Rays, sign with the Braves in, in the offseason. So that was a week. May 3rd, Excuse me. it was a Met. May 5th, he was a Dodger. May 10th, he was a Ray. That's fucking hilarious.
1: That's just, that's too much moving. You know, like that's too much. Hey, family, let's go here. Never mind. Let's go. Here. You know what? One more, last time, I promise. Let's go here. That's too much.
0: That's a lot of moving. Again, man, that's why we've mentioned it several times. That's why players have 10-5 rights because it's like at some yeah. point you just got to be like, I am not moving anymore. Um, it's just too much.
1: I'm now 30. I have a kid that's like six years old. I'm not moving. F- suck it. I don't care.
0: Yeah, okay. like... Bro, it is it is July. We are in the middle of summer vacation. My kids start school in a month and a half. Yeah. Like, when you fucking moving? She's got all her friends here. Fuck no.
1: Oh, God. I, I would love to be, like, the first guy to ever, like, have that, like, count. You know, the first year that was implemented, the first time that came up. And it's like, hey, Davis, we just traded you to the Cincinnati Reds. It's like, no, you didn't. What are you talking about? The deals already went through. Commissioner, you know, approved it. All this blah, 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 blah. It's like, nah, go fuck yourself. I ain't going anywhere. You're stuck with me. Yeah. yeah. just like and calling honestly, up the other. Power fucking to him. Calling up the other GM. It's like, uh, hey, man, I'd love to. love to come over and hang out. But uh, Davis said, no, I can't. We can't go. We can't. We got to call it off. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, because you really you really as the as the GM, you got to go over to the player kind of tail between legs and be like. Uh, Davis, so you know we're not going anywhere this year, and we got to trade to Cleveland for you on the table. But you gotta, you get, you know, it's ten and five right? It's like we gotta, you gotta agree to it. You want to go to Cleveland, buddy? You know, really help the team. And Davis is like, Nah, go fuck yourself, bitch! I'm here forever, never leaving.
1: And he just stays. That's how it works. You just stay. Oh God, this is why I want to run a baseball team. Just the wacky misadventures.
0: I feel like it would be a really good time, especially having people that I think at least, at least for who we are today, I think we think of ourselves as decent enough people and could run a team. I'd love to see a team run with a moral backbone instead of um, amoral or immoral horrors. And I love for the chance to be that guy. It would never happen for so many reasons. Oh,
1: God, no. Yeah, no, 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 no. It would be one of those things where I would love to be a part of that. I would hate to be involved in the accounting aspect of that in any capacity because people would be ripping – like, we would hire people away from, like, uh, random teams, like the Yankees, the Padres, the Cincinnati Reds, whoever, like baseball accountants who come in and they're like (laughs) – we're not making money. What's going on? And just losing their shit because it's not the way 99.99% of baseballs run.
0: Honestly, I still say fuck it because I don't think they would be, it's not making money. I think it'd be the difference between, you know, making, you know, we're making uh, X amount pre tax and now we're making 75% of that pre tax or whatever. Um, you know, it's that that's such a stupid difference. You know, our 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 net profit is a billion dollars, whereas before all these super radical changes, it was like one point one billion dollars. You know, like we lost a hundred million dollars, kind of, but we're still making a billion dollars net. And it's like who cares? Yeah. That's yeah. I don't know. I don't believe in it. I don't believe. That anyone loses money in this game, it's like it's it's all a casino, and everyone's the house but us. They're they're all the money. Where where else would it go? Where else would it go? It's got nowhere else to go but back to them. You know.
1: Oh, anyway, ridiculous.
0: It's it's like it's like the um, the self sustaining ecosystem from "It's Always Sunny," where they just pass ridiculous. around the money that's them they're they 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 have all it's all it's all mlb fun money just getting passed around owner to owner
1: what a fun episode that was oh my god
0: i don't know how the u.s economy works (laughs) um yeah so anyway back to back to brave's uh (laughs) transactions which was our first topic and we're still on it
1: oh my god um we do this every week we're like we're like hey what do you want to talk about tonight and we put together a list of like five or six things and it's like do we need more and it's like well we could talk about this as a whole for 15 minutes or we could talk about just this first topic for an hour and a half
0: we have we have no idea topics written out
1: (laughs) We haven't even gone through the Yay. first one yet. All right, let's move on.
0: Oh, uh, no. and I, I, I'm not complaining. It just if we're had a glimpse as to how this show runs, <laughs> like it's 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 run, but it's not run efficiently. But it's run fun. So who cares? Um, so the Braves' next acquisition after uh, Stephen Voigt was uh, nearly two weeks later when they made three trade, four trades. Sorry, at the deadline on July 30th. I guess one day before the deadline was the 31st. Oh, who gives a shit. Uh, So first acquisition on July 30th was of Adam Duvall in exchange for Alex Jackson, who got sent to the Miami Marlins. So far with the Marlins, um, he has appeared in 12 games, has an OPS plus of 75, um, and has four extra base hits with six hits total. So two singles, a double, three home runs. Oh, he's... You know, he's 25, he's figuring it out. Um, Whereas uh, Adam Duvall, in his grand return to Atlanta, since he had spent 2018, 19, and 2020 with them, so really he had only not been there for 90 games of this season, uh, was a 102 OPS batter with the Marlins, and with the Braves so far has been a 100 OPS uh, plus batter. So perfectly average in that respect, which... I guess honestly it means it's probably a pretty good trade for them. You have a your sure. third, fourth string catcher who's not going to see significant playing time, even if everyone, even if everyone was hurt, he probably still wouldn't see significant playing time, and you, know, you, you just don't need that guy. Whereas if you need outfield depth, then a guy who's batting perfectly average is probably an improvement over whatever you had. And I don't really feel like digging down into what their outfield was pre-deadline, so. That seems to make sense. Yeah. So that brings us to the second acquisition of July 30th, which was with the um, Kansas City Royals, in which they sent over Casey Kalich. Kalik? I'm going to say Kalich because I don't know any better. Uh, In exchange for Jorge Soler. Now, Casey Kalich is... In high A right now with an ERA of 5.4 since being traded to the Royals in uh oh five innings. So he said one game. Oh, four games. He's a reliever. Okay, four games. All right. So he's that's not enough innings to mean anything of significance. Whereas Jorge Soler, uh pre-trade deadline with the with the Royals, Jorge Soler was batting to the tune of a 78. OPS plus, since being traded to Kansas to Atlanta, geez, he has a 125 OPS plus in 13 games.
1: Good for him. Good for him. Uh, Needed a yeah. bounce
0: back. Easy guy to root for. Ha- nice to see him having a good season, and clearly that trade is paying off in spades for the uh, the Braves, as you know they definitely have a weakened outfield without Ronald Acuna Jr. and I don't know who else is manning that outfield right now. So uh, I guess it actually that might be their three. Out, is there three outfielders right now? Solaire, Peterson, and Eaton or Deval.
1: I don't know why you're asking me. I don't know.
0: Uh, you know what? I don't know. And 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 I don't and I don't care. Uh Guillermo Heredia, I guess, is the other main main guy. Uh, and Abraham Almonte.
1: Abraham.
0: Who's 32, and that name is not really recognizable for me. And um, hey, maybe I that says like- more about me. But uh, damn,
1: I feel like he must be new because you're born at the age of 32. If your name is Abraham.
0: So he has played nine seasons in MLB and was actually with the Padres last season. So the fact that you don't know him either is kind of hilarious. But his last name Almonte. No idea. How much how much war do you think he has combined in nine seasons? 0.6 1.2
1: I was off by a factor of two which seems like a lot but it's not yeah
0: that's pretty funny but hey he's still playing so good for him
1: his career war or his war this year is negative 0.9 which is bad which is really 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 bad
0: but again hey still playing
1: yeah (laughs) All right, he had seven games and eleven at bats with the Padres. I don't feel even remotely bad about not knowing who he was.
0: Yeah, I know. I saw he didn't play a lot, but I still want the Buster Ball for
1: that. <laughs> his, do you know do you? Oh my god, do you want to know what his slash line was for all of 2020?
0: I actually didn't look at it, so I have no idea. I'm gonna guess, guess. It was low. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess it's like a. Two three two is like something weird. I'm, I'm gonna say like two hundred batting average, two ninety on base, and uh, three hundred slugging.
1: Um, he had a point zero nine one batting average, zero a, nine one. Yep, you know, a point two three one on base. Okay, and a point zero nine one slugging percentage. No, <laughs> for a. 322 OPS and a negative 5 OPS plus.
0: God, that OPS is a bad on base.
1: He had a negative 5 OPS plus in 2020. In 2019, his OPS plus in three times as many at-bats was 148. Baseball's hard.
0: Baseball's really fucking hard. Hey, hey. He's still out there doing it. Good for him. Kudos, yeah. man. Shouts out
1: to hey. you. Good on you. I mean, what, 10-year service time? That's a, a thing, right?
0: Yeah, that's uh, a pension.
1: It accumulates, yeah, based off of games played. But, hey, he's got 435 career games. That's, that's a fucking lot, no matter how you look at it.
0: Seriously, that dude would rake against m- most other levels of, of- – Competition.
1: He is an outfielder, and I feel extremely confident that he would strike us out ten times out of ten.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. outfield has got arms, man. Yeah. I know like everyone on the diamond has has, has arms, but like, mm, man. A, a good outfielder. Not a, a mediocre outfielder. Has I, a bad outfielder has a much better arm than your padet- I think an average guy could probably throw 50 miles an hour. Maybe.
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: That might be a little bit generous. Might be a little bit mean, but it, I'd say that makes it pretty fair, 50, like a bad outfielder has like, like a 75 mile an hour, 78 mile an hour arm, like a bad sure. one. Like that, that's not? a really, because I think before he got suspended, Marcelo Zuna like was the worst throwing outfielder in baseball. And I believe it was like 78 miles an hour.
1: I could probably throw forty, so I'm not going to be one to stand here and poke, you know, sticks at people. Throw stones, throw stones. No, that's poke sticks of people.
0: Idiom. Let's poke some sticks of people. All right, so let's finish out these fucking Braves transactions. Uh, they then got Richard Rodriguez, and I mean, there's a point to all this. We'll get there. Uh, from the Pirates, who has been solid for them so far with his ERA being zero in eight games, so that's pretty fucking good. Has not allowed a run, has allowed only five hits, one walk, uh, only three strikeouts. But without any run scored, you got to feel pretty okay about that. They gave up Bryce Wilson, who was a young starting pitcher for them, um, but hasn't quite put it together. So I I guess, you know, you, you, you don't feel too bad. And the starting rotation for the Braves has been in a period of flux recently but i i think having a steadier hand at at the bullpen i guess for the braves they felt made more sense than trying to stick out with bryce wilson when they had the opportunity to upgrade somewhere upgrade those innings somewhere uh bryce wilson who's been exactly the guy in pittsburgh so far he's been in atlanta and a 4.83 era in atlanta this season a 4.8 era in Pittsburgh, so that's kind of funny. They also gave up a guy by the name of Ricky Devito. Hey, yo, Ricky, who has a two point six six ERA in high is eight ball. Is he Korean? Uh, I'm proud of a man. At least that's I, I think that's what that flag is. Um, oh my god! And that brings us to the final trade that Atlanta made to to get just one more outfielder because uh, you can never have too many. I guess, in what is one of the weirdest trades that I don't think we actually spent any time on because there were so many trades at the time. And that was the Pablo Sandoval for Eddie Rosario trade uh, in which Eddie Rosario got sent from Cleveland to Atlanta. Pablo Sandoval got traded to Cleveland, was then almost immediately cut. And Eddie Rosario has not appeared for the Braves yet. I actually don't know where he is. Oh, 10-day IL. Okay, so a hurt Eddie Rosario got traded for Pablo Sandoval, and neither of them have played for their respective teams because Eddie's hurt and Pablo got cut. So why Cleveland made that trade, I have no fucking clue. Salary, I guess?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, wasn't Eddie Rosario, like, the keystone piece of the Lindor trade?
0: No. At least for uh, major
1: league players?
0: No, because uh, he was previously with Minnesota.
1: Eddie Rosario?
0: Yes. He has only played for, Min- for Minnesota. Aside from this season when he played for Cleveland.
1: And who the fuck am I thinking of?
0: I know who you're fucking thinking of, too. Oh, and I can't the think other of the Rosario.
1: Like Ahmed Rosario?
0: I th- Ahmed Rosario sounds more right. I believe it is Ahmed. Yeah, it's Ahmed Rosario.
1: Okay. Yeah. Sorry, Eddie.
0: So, point being...
1: He still plays for Cleveland, so yes.
0: None of these trades, you'd go like, "Wow!" And none of these trades really seem like that massive of an upgrade over what they had, because like the catcher they got is also bad. The outfielders are all good, but no one's been startlingly good. I got uh, Jorge Soler's, I think, been very good for them, but outside of that, it's been mostly tepid stuff. But the fact that that's been enough for them because their division almost like wholesale agreed, we're not going to do that much. You know, it gets weird. The The AL East formed something of an arms race, at least between the Blue Jays and the Yankees. The Red Sox did like a thing. Uh, the NL West did a ton. And the NL East was like, I, I guess getting Kyle Gibson for the Phillies was kind of big. Um, not because Kyle Gibson's a huge name, but because he's having a really nice season. Uh, and obviously the hobby bias he's a good trade he's a big a, enough
1: name
0: yeah he's a name that i think you know a, most year. baseball fans know and this year's his big year hobby bias for the mets is obviously a, a big trade in quotes because he's coming from a famous team with a big name he's had really good years this is not one of them um but he you know he's he's not big for like that, that that's that's it like end end of end of sentence he's he's not he's fine He strikes out a ton, never walks, plays cool defense and has adventures on the base paths, but will still only get you like three war a year. Like he's, he's, he's good. Like he's fine. And I guess the marginal advantage of these trades for the Braves will be looked at as enough. I mean, like how, how do you read this entire situation?
1: man just throw me on the spot like that expect me to give some commentary i don't know i mean hold on teams- just
0: real quick i want to say that i said javier baez's war on average was about three a season it is actually 4.3 just wanted to shout out javi there only only because he has two back-to-back six and a half war seasons and every season outside of that he has never gotten to three those two seasons are it.
1: Touche. Touche. Just wanted to that's a good That's a good save, though. It's a good caveat where statistics can lie. Um, I think it's one of those things where, like, Javi Baez is a player that can come in and make your team better. And it's really tough when you're the Mets and have Javi Baez is coming in and making your team better. But if you're not giving up all that much to begin with and the club, Cubs want to get rid of him, sure. You know what?
0: Just real quick. You know you know what Javi Baez's OPS Plus was when the Mets traded for him?
1: Really low? 107. Okay, okay not bad. No, it's not, it's not bad at all.
0: You know what it's been with the Mets so far? In uh, only 10 games, but still, you know what it's been? 52. Less Less than than half. He's not
1: making your team better. No, not making your team better.
0: Oh my god. I know, I know it's 10 games, it's 37 plate appearances, it's not much of anything. I understand that at the same time. Oh my
1: god. (laughs) Oh my god, it's so bad. (laughs) Woof. Buzz, your girlfriend. Woof.
0: God, the Mets
1: oh, you just make us so much happier just because you make us seem so much smarter.
0: Now, when the Braves got the shit pushed in by the cards a couple years ago, I think we all looked at it and we're like, oh, the Braves should be better than that. You know, like they, the cards weren't great. Actually, that whole series sucked, if I recall. I think it went seven games because everyone sucked. And the Braves got like righteously fucked by the Dodgers or some shit like that. I think they might have won a so, game.
1: Sounds about right.
0: And this time around, if the Braves are to hang on to a playoff berth, uh, it has to be the division. We talked about this before. It has to be the division because there's no way Annalise is sending two teams. Um, they're hosts. Like, they're, they're fucked. They're absolutely fucked, right? I mean, there's no... Whoever wins this division... Actually, caveat, the Mets... Dude. If they got DeGrom back, could make a run in the playoffs if they got there. But the Phillies, tragic. And the Braves, I just don't think, have it. And it begs the question of – and maybe that's what the, the the math was for these teams for how meh their trade deadlines were, is that even if you make the playoffs, what are you hanging your hat on after that? I mean, chances are you're getting fucked, right? Yeah. Not beating the Braves or sorry, the, um, the, the Brewers, like, like their, their pitching's so excellent, and their batting's fine, and that's the easiest team you'd face. The Giants are unstoppable, the Dodgers are unstoppable, and the Padres can mash, at least. Their pitching leaves something to be desired. Like, the easiest route you'd have is either the Brewers or the Padres, and those are two fucking rough-ass teams to be the easiest team you might have to face.
1: who at this point would you predict to win the division?
0: Oh my God. You know what's sad is I haven't even thought about extrapolating out these seasons and who, who would be primed to actually do anything because it's been such a clusterfuck. It's like, you just kind of sit back and watch. It's a, it's like a fire when you're not a fireman, you're like, well, shit, I'm not even going to contemplate how to, how to put this out because I, I, I can't stop looking at the disaster of it all. Um, we're going to need a professional. Oh, God. It's not going to be the Mets. I'm, I'm going to start with that. I, I, it, I really, in my heart, even if DeGrom came back and did like a CC Sabathia thing where he pitched every third day, they're still not winning the division. I, I have no faith in their ability to do anything even with him. Which really leaves us, you know, the Phillies and the Braves. And I'd actually, I can't believe I'm saying this. I think I'd believe in the Phillies more because I like their batting more. And if I had to put stock in something, I think I could actually tepidly say I trust the Phillies batting. And then I don't trust any part of the Braves, which means that I'd give an edge to the Phils. Like, I don't trust the Phillies pitching. I don't trust their bullpen. No. I trust their batting. I don't trust the Braves starters. I don't trust the Braves' bullpen. And I don't trust the, ba- the Braves' batting. So, I, I guess I would go with the Phillies. That felt gross.
1: Is there really anything you do trust in, uh, in the NL East?
0: Um... Kim Ang. Trust Kim Ang.
1: Uh, that's fair. I, I do trust Kim Ang. How far back are the uh, Marlins?
0: Uh, 11 games.
1: <laughs> mm, that's going to be tough to pick them.
0: Mathematically, could they do it? Sure. Sure. Not technically eliminated. Realistically, could they? Absolutely fucking not.
1: And I want them to have an offense so bad.
0: Uh, and they I really think they can get there. I really do. I have so much more confidence in their ability to build an offense than I do the Mets' ability to build, to build an offense because that ground is cursed.
1: Yes, sir. Man, I don't know. Um, I'll give it to the Phillies just because I could just see Atlanta just imploding and just returning back to that just nothingness. I, there, there's nothing in Atlanta that I trust right now with the way that team is. There's nothing in New York that I trust with the Mets, so Philly, figure it out.
0: So by OPS plus by team, the Phillies are very average. Uh, they have a 98 team OPS plus. a anyway, league average. Nine. No, really, I hate that it says league average. It should be MLB average because there's two leagues. Uh, but anyway, uh, 97 OPS plus. They are the highest team. From there, actually, no, second highest. The Nationals are above them with a 106 OPS plus, but their pitching is a disaster. Um, Yep, yeah, so below them. And they them, sold everybody, so. And they sold. That's right. The Braves are a 93, five points behind. The Mets are a 91, uh, seven points behind. And then the Marlins are an 87, a cool 11 points behind. Which, you know, that is what it is, and there's a lot of variance in there because you have some star players and you have some really shit players. It, it, you know, I understand, but we're using what we got here. By ERA plus, let's see, the best team in this division. Ooh, who do you think it is?
1: I would say still the Mets.
0: It's not. It's, it's the Braves.
1: By ERA plus?
0: ERA plus a 113 ERA prop ERA ERA press ERA plus the the Mets are next right behind them with a 110 ERA plus followed by the Marlins with a 108 wow. followed by the Nationals oh sorry followed by the Phillies with a 92 ugh, and the Nationals with an 85 ooh uh, but yeah yikes so the Braves pitching, who are you people? Oh, their starters are actually, oh, a lot of their starters are hurt. But <laughs> Charlie Morton, 130, Max Fried 120, Drew Smiley, 103, currently hurt, Ian Anderson, 128, Oscar, Oscar Inoa, 151, uh, and then other innings eaters for them, Chris Martin, uh, the 124. Tuki Toussaint, 107. People are here that are pitching. That can be said. And their bullpen's been good. They're actually, they're actually their bullpen's been very good. I should I should I was being unfair to their bullpen. Their bullpen has actually been very good. So I I should alter myself that I can trust the Braves bullpen, but nothing else.
1: Yeah. Too sure.
0: Yeah. All right. I can, I, I retract part of my previous statement, but I still say, I believe in the Phillies more. I don't know. Every part about it feels kind of gross. Well, speaking of a uh, lopsided performances, uh, let's, let's talk about two things at the same time. And that is the Padres getting no hit the other day by Uh, a a guy making his first MLB start with the, with the diamondbacks. And when you hear first MLB start with the diamondbacks, that's two against the Padres. That's three. You don't necessarily think that man's going to throw a no hitter. And yet some guy threw a no hitter for the diamondbacks against the Padres in his first MLB start. And that's that's kind of fucking wild. So first, Corbin, what's your reaction to the fact that the Padres are incapable of stomping on snakes?
1: Um, sneaky, sneaky snakes are like super dangerous. Um, so I'm OK with it. It's one of those things where, you know, it's baseball. Anything can happen. I don't know. I don't know how you defend it. You know, like it's what it is. I will say I didn't realize until just now looking through all these numbers from the past couple of days that uh, Logan Gilbert was a, a rule Tyler five. Gilbert. What did I say, Logan. Yeah. Nah, different picture. Uh This Gilbert was a rule five draft pick from the Dodgers.
0: I just saw that today
1: too. Which, um, it hurts just as much. You know, it really does. Um, yeah, I don't know. It happens. I mean, I'm not worried about the Padres offense. It's one of those th- times where it's like, all right, we were without our best player. Okay. There should be enough depth to get a hit. Okay. I mean, there were plenty of hard hit balls that just went straight to outfielders. Okay. It happens. I'm not worried. Like, it's not Cleveland getting it three times in a season. Right. They're just offense fucking is atrocious. It's like, all right, we had one (laughs) off.
0: Yeah, not beating the Diamondbacks as the Padres sucks, but it's mostly, I would imagine, the way I look at it, because, you know, it's like when the Yankees lose to the Orioles, as of, you know, the current iteration of the Orioles, not when the Orioles were good, like, five years right. ago um which is you go you sh- you shrug and you go well you can't win them all which is true mm-hmm. and the fact that you lost to a bad team obviously sucks a bad team in your division obviously sucks more but at the same time you go oh you i mean you lose games but when you consistently can't put away that shit team in your division the real shit part about it is that you're not You're not racking up the wins where they should be, which does it mean more? Not really, but it can fuck with your standing in the division. If you end up having for whatever reason, a tied record at the end of the season with another team in your division, but you have a worse divisional record because you couldn't beat the fucking diamondbacks. Um, And your other team has a better divisional record because they could, but that's where it'll, that's where it would suck. Or if you end up, you know, getting the wild card two spot instead of the wild card one spot, because you lost two games to the diamondbacks that you should have won. Like it, it's, it, it hurts in like those ways where you look at at the end of the season, pick the losses that you said sucked the most, even though you're going to lose 70 games, like it's going to happen. Um, But it, it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't mean anything for the Padres offense. It's, it's, it's an ink. It's a more inconvenient loss than an average loss, but it's still just a loss. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, for Tyler, for Tyler Gilbert, obviously shout out to him. This is his fourth game of the season, his first start of the season. He had made a couple of bullpen appearances. Um, so just fucking congratulations to him. And like you said, with the rule five thing, this is now the second rule five guy this season that has made a, a, a big splash, even if his might be a little bit more short lived or a little bit more flashy. Cause you know, we also have a Kiel badu. Mm -hmm. who also is a real five pick from within his division. You know, Akil Badu on the Tigers was a real five pick from Minnesota. Uh, Tyler Gilbert on the Diamondbacks rule five pick from the Dodgers and whatever their careers end up being, they end up being it's, it's not, it can't be said until it's either over or there's been a statistically significant period of time for them to see how they shake out. But it's, it's the internal scouting within teams that you almost wonder if and it's it's two people i understand i i know i'm i I'm might be making more of a thing out of it than need be but let's make a big thing out of it uh, <laughs> and you know it's it's the internal scouting that matters just as much if not more Then the external scouting, you know, if you acquire players that are awesome all the time, but you let up players who are going to be phenomenal, especially rule five picks, which you let up for nothing, then that might be the next underutilized competitive advantage, if you spend all of your resources scouting externally, you know, it's it's like you see it in companies, like you're letting your good employees go. Cause you're trying to, you don't spend as much resources trying to retain them as you do spending resources to acquire outside talent. You know, if you're bringing in someone to fill a position and you're paying the new guy 75 K and you're paying the old guy 65 K, well, the old guy eventually might figure out that being undervalued fucking leave. That's obviously a touch different, but the same idea of, keeping track of your shit that you already got rather than focusing exclusively on getting other shit. And again, this is literally two people. I do not mean to make the world out of this, but it's, it's interesting to see so much attention paid to these two rule five picks in the same season, nonetheless, uh, because, and interdivision none the lesser, um, because it feels like it doesn't happen that much. So to get to feels kind of big, even though in all reality, it's not, but I don't know. What do you think?
1: Um, I think at the end of the day, new, shi- new and shiny is really cool. And that's all we need to focus on. Um, who gives a shit about the guys you already have on your team when new and shiny is well, new and shiny. Um, I just, I like that. We're having guys, you know, taken in the rule five draft, be able to come in and just make a an impact early on. I mean, there's so many players. Excuse me, in the MLB system, in major leagues, triple A, Double A, Single A, High A, Low A, whatever you want to, you know, divide it up as
0: all the A's,
1: all the A's, uh, and even a couple B's. Being able to have guys get opportunities on teams that would give them playing time that they otherwise wouldn't get and then being able to come to the show and make a difference, make an impact and throw a no-hitter, be a front runner for rookie of the year. You know, these are things that are huge. And at the end of the day, is only going to propel MLB forward and, you know, treatment of, you know, minor league players, younger players, you know, guys that aren't making Fernando Tatis money, Mike Trump money, big league money. So all for it.
0: Yeah, you love to see it because obviously it shows that, you know, it's working as intended. Like if rule five draft picks make the major leagues, then that process is working as it should. Basically saying that, like, you can't hoard good players. If they have an ability to make a major league roster, then we're going to institute this thing that gives them a better chance to do that and, and get paid. So it is nice to see you one of the processes in MLB actually working seemingly to its desired effect um, and to to, to, to the, the benefit of the players, which, I mean, those two things alone is like mind blowing. Uh, obviously, again, this is two guys. I don't mean to make a whole world out of it, but it is still cool to see for that reason. But, you know, it's, uh, if it becomes more of a thing, it'll be very interesting. It'll be very, very interesting. I know, Rule five draft picks have been getting more attention in recent seasons. Like Nestor Cortez jr. On the Yankees was a rule five pick Um, from the Yankees to the Orioles, I believe. I think it went that way. He's been bounced around a, a bunch, especially between the Yankees and the Orioles, but it, it's, it's you know, it's like the you, know, you see supplemental drafts for like the NFL and you know there's, there's other drafts that happen in other places and the rule 5 draft gets some attention for that and it'll be interesting to see if it gets some more attention. and if we criticize teams more harshly for allowing good players to go, obviously, you don't want to prospect hug because then you're never going to get anything done. There's a big difference between trading a player for another player or for an asset of some kind that will appreciably improve your team because that's what I mean, that's what you have to do. If you're going to go out and acquire Joey Gallo, you're going to have to let up guys that you like playing for your team in order to get, um, you know, you're going to trade future prospects for, for, for present talent. I know that the Yankees didn't give a ton because there was money involved, sure. but you, you, out it the money I'd, from, for a moment, but the rule five draft is literally nothing. You get nothing in return for that.
1: Yeah. That's I think the, the Padres place. are a great example of that where it's like, all right, you have a truly unbelievable farm system at your disposal. You use it to acquire guides like Blake Snell, you Darvish, Austin Nola, like all these guys who they've put together, you know, Adam Frazier this year. Fucking uh, what's his face? Um, I was trying to make a joke about the Jake Marisnik. We acquired Jake Marisnik. There we go. Thank God. Thank God um wouldn't be able to do that with those minor leaguers on our team um but yeah you you acquire players to make your team better and you know push during your window that's how it works don't hoard
0: you're right don't hoard but just also don't allow them to go for nothing but if they do and they make the roster then it's all good life is complicated and mlb is complicated i guess that's part of why we like it um Speaking of which, we had a, we had a, a perfect game scare <laughs> yesterday. Today was it that
1: today? I don't remember.
0: Fuck, what day is it, Brian? I don't. I well, let's pretend like it was yesterday because no one's gonna know. Um, where Tristan McKenzie? Actually, I feel like that was today. Now, <laughs> I think it was today. I think I'm gonna say it was today. Tristan McKenzie uh, almost threw a perfect game for the. Cleveland baseball team, uh, which Correct. is nifty. Uh, I, I don't want to – it would be tough to have a, a no-hitter and then a perfect game and then be like, hey, is it uh, March again? Because this shit sucked the first time around. Um, but it was also cool to see another young dude, especially on a team that hasn't had a lot to root for this season – get to do something really cool and a guy who's had like a rough year so far this year, right. uh, be able to go out there and do something really cool. Obviously it, it ended up getting broken up and it, it, it was not a perfect game. It wasn't a no hitter. um, You know, life got in the way of that one, but it, it is still nice to have those moments, but I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I now feel a tinge of doom, boredom. I'm not quite sure where it lies when I get the MLB app notification saying so-and-so is perfect through six, I it's not quite the same. I feel good for the guy. I'm like, that's great for him. But I, I'm at the same time like, oh, this again?
1: Yeah. I mean, when I got the notification, I guess I was watching the game, but Joe Musgroves was like, oh, my God, he's going to do it. Like, it's we're going to see a no hitter! Like, this is crazy. Like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Oh my God. Here we are a couple months later, hasn't had one since. And well, I guess now there's been one since like that stage in the season. There's been several since where it's just like, oh, no, I don't care. That's it's whatever. That no hitter feels like forever ago. Yeah. And it seems like nothing because there's been like seven of them now.
0: Yeah, uh, Tristan McKenzie's real quick. Eight innings. Emmanuel Clay's ended up finishing out the game. Uh, one hit, eleven strikeouts, no walks, no runs. That's it. Lowered lowered his ERA to five point one two.
1: Oh my god, that is way higher than I would have thought it was.
0: Yeah, it's it hasn't been a great year, which is fine. He's he's a young dude. It's his it's his second season pitching, and he's already thrown twice, more than twice the innings he did all last year in part because last year was a short season. Um, so he'll figure it out, but it's, uh, and you know, it, it's just, it's a similar thought process from the, from the Dimebacks perspective, which is like, yeah, your team sucks, but you got to see your team throw a no hitter. Like that's really, you actually, if you're a Dimebacks fan, you got to see your team throw two no hitters this season because you had the unofficial. Now um, it's a bum one. And then you, you got this one and like, you get, you know, there's really cool moments but fucking your division, one of your divisional rivals in the Padres. You got a walk off home run last night. You got uh, or two nights ago. You got a, a no hitter the next day. Like, yeah, your team's gonna lose like a hundred games, but you're gonna have some really cool wins in there. And you know, Cleveland gets this. You get an eleven nothing win against the Tigers, who have been rolling pretty hard out of the out of the the gate from the All Star break. And yeah, neither of your teams are making the playoffs, but it's still cool to you know. Cream one of your opponents in a divisional one nonetheless. And you got a cool performance out of one of your young guys, and yeah, the perfecto bid didn't go through, but still, I mean it's it's cool to see. Uh, but man, my like usually for every season up until this year, and this is this is me. I'm not saying this is a problem that needs to be fixed. Like this is very much so just me. If I got a notification, if I got the, the second notification. That someone who was having a no-hitter or perfect perfect game through through seven, I would tune in for the last two or three innings. Sure. Now I I, I just don't care. I get that notification twice a week now. Yep. I I just don't fucking care.
1: I, I'm right there with you. I will not change what I'm doing. To put it on just because it's. Why Why should I care? Why should. Do you I? remember?
0: Do you? Really, oh man, it must have been like three years ago, I was visiting you when, we, when you were at Penn State, and we turned on like a Royals game that one of the fucking Royals pitchers was having a perfect game through eight. Do you remember that? No. We watched the last two innings of some random Royals game. I, I oh, it's killing me that I can't think of who it was. Maybe it was like Dane Dunning or somebody, like someone weird or Jacob Junis. I don't remember. Had a perfect game through eight through seven or so, and we saw him pitch the eighth, and it gets to the ninth and it lets up, like, a, a walk, and we were like, ah, oh, he i still get the no-hitter, and they let up a hit, and we were like, oh, shit, now he could lose this game, and then they pulled him, but we ended up, we watched several innings of a Kansas City Royals game for no reason other than there was a perfect bid attempt going mm-hmm. on in it, and we would absolutely not do that today.
1: <laughs> no, I, I absolutely wouldn't. Like, even if it was, like, the Giants or the Dodgers, like good teams. I don't care. Like the Royals. No fucking way.
0: It is a, a common thing. Now those damn notifications. Oh, anywho, let's, uh, let, we've been going for a bit. I want to make sure we hit on a couple of the other topics we had. So, uh, I had mentioned my thoughts on a, the, the, the field of dreams game before it had happened. When when talking to Shakia Taylor in the last episode, but I didn't get the chance to talk to you about it. Uh, I think, independent of this podcast and on this podcast, I didn't ask you about it. So, what 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 are your thoughts about the Field of Dreams game in its concept, and then now that it is over?
1: As a concept, it felt kind of gimmicky to begin with. Like the headline was gimmicky when it was first announced. Like why? Like, MLB, what are you doing? Thinking more on it before it came to fruition was like, okay, it's a cool concept. I really do. I have really low expectations for how they're going to be executing it. And then actually seeing it come to life, and it's like, oh, this is, this is spectacular. I honestly want this to be a yearly game.
0: Which it build, now will be.
1: Right, just like build up a nice little stadium there, keep that cornfield that is so cool. Just have a series there. Just have, you know, a weekend series. Don't have it be like a once a month. The team's playing at the Field of Dreams game because that's not special. Just have a series there and it would be so fucking cool. It's one of those things where if you have one of them, if you have two of them even, where there's a couple games there a year, just like a single series or a single game. That's really cool all of a sudden you start having, you know, the Field of Dreams game. Oh, the Durham Bulls game. Oh, the Sandlot game. Like, oh, blue, blue, doo, 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 seven different things. It's like, I now care about none of them after really caring about one of them.
0: You don't want the experience watered down.
1: Exactly.
0: So where I landed on this, in my conversation with Shakia just prior to the game, Uh, We had talked on Wednesday night. The game was on Thursday night. I'm fine with them doing it. I don't really give a shit. I don't think Field of Dreams is especially a good movie. But if MLB wants to do hokey, lame shit that is within their right, and, I mean, you got to do something different to stay on top of things. Picking a movie that's 30 years old is also a super weird choice. They could have done this. 25 years ago and had it feel fresh instead of doing it so long like how they got there I have no clue how this uh, just became a decision someone someone put in a request yeah. back in 1992 that they just found <laughs> and we're like oh shit this is a great idea um my issue with it is that and I, I I'm gonna be repeating myself a little bit but different audience you ML, the best thing, the, the, the thing that MLB can do to get the most eyes on anything that they want to, I don't know, bring attention to is by playing a baseball game. I mean, that is where they're going to get the most attention and viewership and buzz or whatever is to play a baseball game. When MLB wanted to spread the game of baseball into Asia. They played games in like Japan and and Korea. Uh, One of the reasons baseball is so popular in Latin America is because Negro league teams would go down there to play ball during the winter to audiences that liked them more and would be more attentive to them rather than a lot of the white run ballparks that were up North in America and baseball MLB had the thought to do something to bring attention to something and to feed off of a feeling and a preexisting property. And instead of choosing something that I think would have more impact to both a locale, a history, and a people, that was three things. I said both, but we're moving on. Um, like representing a Negro league team, and playing uh, at the site of a former Negro league stadium or playing in an area that just doesn't, is so far removed from ball. I was, as I discovered very close to Chicago. I did not realize that, Um, but playing somewhere more in like the, the deep South where everyone in like most of the Southern States just gets the Braves because it's the nearest team for States at a time same thing with the midwest it it feels like they missed an opportunity to do something that meant something and instead just picked a movie and a very very white movie that also has issues because there was black people playing baseball at that time none of them popped through the corn Rube Rube Foster did not pop his ass through the corn. Oscar Robertson didn't walk his ass through the corn. Buck O'Neill didn't walk his ass through the corn. No, it was just the white players. And look, Hmm. look, we can't relitigate a movie that came out 30 years ago. We're not going to change that. Whatever. It was a book before that. We can't change that shit either. But there is such a weird gap in... MLBs want to grow and change and improve that I, I just can't understand because they can interact with a lot of different art and property and, and history and all that in a significantly more productive way. Because if this was like one of the several things they were doing this year, it's like we're going to play a game at a Negro League stadium. We're going to play a game at an old minor league stadium. From not one of the ones that we killed, one of the other ones that just went Mm -hmm. defunct over time, because those exist too. Like there's a Portland Portland team that I think had some history to it. Anyway, um, we're gonna play a game in the South. We're gonna play a game in Puerto Rico and highlight a lot of the Puerto Rican players. Mm -hmm. Let's play a game in Puerto Rico. Uh, Oh, you guys, you can't do it on, um, uh, fucking. Oh my god. What's his fucking name for the pirates? I'm blanking.
1: Roberto Clemente?
0: Roberto Clemente, thank you. God I I, I kept thinking to myself Rob. And I'm like, it's not Rob. Oh, Roberto Clemente, because his birthday. You should call his... him Rob. No, he he actually hated it. Oh really? Yeah. Um well, a lot of Hispanic now, players so get their knows? get their names like Americanized. Like Francisco Lindor hates being called Frankie because he's like, My name is Francisco. So Anyway, separate story. I b- believe Roberto Clemente's birthday is like literally Christmas, so you cannot play a game on Roberto Clemente's birthday in Puerto Rico, but I bet you could play a game on a dubbed Roberto Clemente day where everyone wears 21, which, I, again, I don't know why isn't a thing. But anyway, the, and, and if they did a bunch of other shit, and one of them was the Field of Dreams game. You go, all right, well, this is the lighthearted, goofy one. Whatever. Um, mm-hmm. but the fact that they had the thought to do it, and instead of – raise attention to something that mattered and instead brought attention to a movie from 30 years ago, it's a weird choice. It's a very weird choice. So I don't want to be too too curmudgeonly about it because it's lighthearted and I can appreciate that people want lighthearted things. And again, like you said, to their credit, they did a really good job with what it is. I I would struggle to think how they could make it for what they were going for that much better. Production wise, good, good. People came out the corn and Kevin Costner was there giving speeches. I mean, if this is what they were doing, that's what they were doing. Yeah. with, With the score in the background, it was very nice. But it's just weird that they made this
1: choice. Yeah. I don't hate it. I don't love the idea of what it becomes just you finally just ass backwards walked your way into a good thing don't fuck it up
0: yeah and you know if they keep it around every year and just add on other games and other places that do more significant things i have no issue yep although hopefully this also raises the attention to the fact that Iowa. Local Iowans can't watch this baseball game because it is blacked out in their region.
1: Like always.
0: And there's the ticket price thing. There's a whole bunch of stuff. It, yeah. Ugh. It, it, it's so tough to talk about MLB for too long because I just get exhausted doing it. You know, it is just mm-hmm. exhausting talking about MLB. Instead of baseball. So let's uh, let's close mm-hmm. on a baseball topic then. Let's do it. Fernando Tatis Jr. made his return to the lineup today. Through being on the IL once again with a shoulder issue. And this time he made his first career appearance in the outfield playing left field for the Padres. Corwin Heller, what do you think of that?
1: I am very happy to have him back. It's one of those things where it's like we just got no hit last night. He comes back out of nowhere, hits two home runs, we win 8-1, and it's just like, oh, I forgot that he can just single-handedly win just about any game he plays in. It's just as simple as that. I mean, I know we joke about him you know, being the second coming of Jesus Christ, because well, he's a Padre, and I'm a Padres fan. He's a big reason I became a Padres fan, and boy, he's just really fucking good at baseball. But by all means, I, I truly am just in awe every time he hits a home run or goes on a streak like this, where it's just like, I truly don't even understand how you're so good at baseball. How are you? Because so he's sexy. The sexier you he are, the better at
0: baseball you are. It's true. It's All a fact. Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth, sexiest man alive. Okay. No one could slurp down a wiener like Babe.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Welcome back to the show,
1: folks. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Babe Ruth. <laughs> Notorious, notorious Wiener slurper. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: But what do you think about him making the switch from shortstop to to the outfield? Obviously, you know the bat. I mean, he is, he is. It's his third. I also know the year, and he is still mm-hmm. very much showing the front running for NL MVP, which is I'm- fucking ridiculous. But that's the impact he's had. God, he comes back from the IL and does not miss a beat ever. And it's just hot. He has had so little slump in him this season. It's so much fun. It really makes you hate those IL stints more than your average player. But regardless, he's producing without it. But now he's making a positional change after having the most errors in baseball um, at the shortstop position. You know, they're, they're now trying out at some different infield combinations. So what do you think about him being removed from the infield equation?
1: Um, I don't think it's something that's going to be a long-term solution. Uh, I think it's very much just a, hey, for the rest of the season, August, September, October, if we go into November, we'll have you play majority right field, you know, rotating in back into shortstop when you can just to keep, you know, that fresh. I don't at all expect him to be the starting right fielder for the San Diego Padres next season. Uh, I fully expect him to get back to shortstop because, by all means, while his defense was um, very hit or miss to start the season, he does show everything you would want to see from a plus defensive shortstop. Um, It's really just, again, like the consistency of errors and and making those throws and things like that. So I'm not worried about him playing right field and, and just giving up on shortstop altogether. I don't expect that. I don't think anyone really expects that. But I do really like the idea of putting him in a position to stay healthy this season into the postseason and just, hey, it's a shoulder injury. Diving around as a shortstop is something that's going to possibly make it a riskier you know, play style for you and hurting the shoulder once again, I'm, I'm about it for now.
0: It, it's tough to get a gauge on what the future could be, because as we had talked about a couple times in the past, the, the Padres are a team of shortstops and second basemen. And that is totally fine because like, like we've said, every time this has come up, you will find places to play them. And this is not having a team full of first basemen where everyone is mediocre to bad at defense and you pray, this is a team full of very good fielders, and you'll, you'll figure out a place to play them. They can play places. And as they are constructed today, Fernando Tatis is their worst option defensively at shortstop, and that is not to say he is a bad shortstop. That is just to say that they have so many players who are very, very good at shortstop that Fernando Tatis Jr. is now their worst option at shortstop of the guys who play that position. Which is a good position to be in because you got a lot of the good right. defenders. And to that effect, moving him to right field, totally fine. From mm-hmm. In terms of what's going to happen next season, that I think is going to come down to two or three things. I think it's going to come down to one, how comfortable Tatis feels in right field. I don't mean how good he is defensively. I mean how he feels being out there. Because how he feels, well, he's going to get to dictate a little bit where he plays. And if you think, well, that's not true, let me ask you something. Why the fuck did Derek Jeter play shortstop into his fucking late 30s? You know why? Because the motherfucker wanted to.
1: And because he wore the pinstripes for long enough to be able to say, I'm going to keep playing shortstop until I say so. Fuck you, Steinbrenner. Um, yeah. I mean, the fact that
0: Alex Rodriguez moved to third and not Jeets is wild, but again, so how he feels in right field is going to be one of the main factors. The other thing is how good is he at right field? Because if he ends up being a great right fielder, maybe, maybe you keep him there. And then the other yeah. thing is how do the other second baseman shortstop players you have do offensively in the next couple of seasons? Because like, look, if Adam Frazier kills it this season and starts off next season on a tear. Maybe you want to keep him at second base and, and, and put Jake Cronenworth at short or Hassan Kim at short and Jake Cronenworth at, at, at first, like, like you have so much flexibility that seeing how offensively the pieces that you have grow or change, whatever, over the next you know, however many months of actual ball playing might end up determining that as well and some, you know, marriage of those three factors. Because if everyone plays offensively wonderfully, then maybe you keep Kim at short, Cronenworth at first, and uh, Fraser at second, and you put Tatis in the outfield because everyone's raking, or at least hitting very well. And these guys who are all hitting very well play shortstop better than you, Again, not that you're bad at it. Errors are what errors are. Just that they play better than you do. It's, it's a good problem to have, no matter what. It's just going to be interesting to see how they handle it. Getting a superstar player to move out of position is, is very tricky sometimes. I'm again, thinking of Derek Jeter.
1: <laughs> yeah. Listen, if it works out in right field, Absolutely. I love it. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Okay. At the end of the day, Fernando Tatis Jr. is not going anywhere. I'm not too worried.
0: Oh, definitely not going anywhere. For sure. Uh, I mean, it's it's the, like the first season of that gigantic ass contract. So he ain't going nowhere. Uh, We, we, we have other things. We've been running for a while. Cora and I each have other things to do tonight. So, uh, do you want to keep going with stuff Or are you, you, you cool to wrap it up here
1: Um do you want me to be Completely honest with you Josh Yes I'm real close to shit in my pants I gotta get the fuck out of here
0: Alright well If you want <laughs> to follow the show <laughs> On Twitter you can do so At your spot if you want to hit up Corbin on Twitter you can do so at Corbin Ella. I'll
1: be and on Twitter you- for the next 20 minutes So if you need to reach me
0: you know where to find them. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D-Tracing. And if you'd like to send emails to the show, you can do so at juicenumbers at gmail.com. And until Thursday, y'all have a good one.
1: Bye.